Oh, you want me to bring this in? I don't know. I wasn't sure if we were getting ready to go in yet or not. Otherwise, that's fine. If you want to bring it in, you go ahead. Cover me. Cover me. We're going in. Coming in hot. I guess I shouldn't yell. It's almost 1030. People are sleeping. Alright, hello. Avengers Spotlight. And welcome once again to Avengers Spotlight. I am your host. Uh, I am the Cree host. With me tonight is the Scrawl host, and uh, we're gonna get it on. Two hosts enter, one host leaves. <laughs> we'll chops up a bunch of broccoli, something like that. There's a lot of broccoli to be had here. Chopping broccoli, chopping broccoli. <laughs> and for those of you who don't get that. Go back 20 years and watch Saturday Night Live. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so what do we cover tonight, buddy? Tonight, the spotlight is on Avengers number 133. As we continue Ooh. the Celestial Madonna saga. Yes, we are trucking on down the road, getting close M- to MOS. The what? MOS. MOS? Yes. Uh, What's MOS? Okay, I'm going to give you the, the, the long and short versions of this one all together. Back when I first took a film production class, uh, the teacher explained to us that sometimes they'll, they'll film see- scenes just for the video without sound, and then the sound is going to get dubbed in later or, or music is going to be put in or whatever, so they don't need to have actual audio going. And that's called filming MOS. And the, reason, the origin of that is that uh, when Otto Preminger was directing movies, he used to say, okay, we will film this scene without sound. So MOS was without sound. Without sound. And that became an industry-wide thing that they actually used to say. So tonight huh. we are recording this once again, without Scott. <laughs> so oh, that's okay. why I said I we're recording this MOS. Without, without Scott. Which, that's kind of funny considering you haven't heard uh, the Back to the Bins that's going up. Tomorrow. As we record this, it's going up tomorrow, which is the Avengers Spotlight before this one. And the, I'm sure yeah. you talked about it in that episode, but you covered Giant Size Avengers number three, which was the first book I ever brought to the table for Back mm-hmm. to the Bins. So if you, ever, if you want to hear my take on that one, I think you have to go back to episode number 87, I believe. Maybe 88. Scott and I reenacted some of the, the discussions between Kang and Baron Zemo, and I was doing my cheesy German accent. As Zemo. So, so it's, it's all connected. That's right. Didn't even mean to be, but somehow it was. So, uh, uh, oh, and as we record this, Thor has been out in America for about a week. Uh, we've both seen it, but to get our 
discussion on that, you'll have to go over to Is It Jaws, which will most likely be out before this is, maybe. Yeah, through, through the wonder of time travel, we yes. will record and Is It Yours tomorrow that right. will be yeah, available to the people. Yeah, we'll record something in the future that will be available before this. That'll be available in the past. Huh? Makes what? my head hurt. Uh, yeah. So, to, to find out what we thought of Thor Ragnarok, tune in. Same, well, different bat time, different bat channel. So, uh, and then, uh, hmm, I don't think there's any new Avenger news. Uh, I just, just tonight I finished watching, uh, the season finale of Inhumans. Okay, so the season is complete? Yes, it is complete. So I'm gonna need to sit down and watch the entire season. I'm gonna have to just binge the entire season at some point. What's your overall take on it? Hmm, well, I am interested in the characters maybe not necessarily all the people playing the characters and it i i watched all of it so um seven episodes uh, it was like eight i think eight episodes why are there seven on my dvr well you probably don't have the one that just came out tonight maybe you didn't record it i don't no, know it's got it. oh did you did you watch one and delete it i swear there was eight unless they're oh unless the first one was a two hour First one was a two-hour, yes. Maybe that's it's, it, but it actually was two. My okay, because on Hulu, it's last week's was was seven, so that's why I said eight. So there's probably eight hours. Okay, I, well I I have all eight hours on my DVR, and I just need to have the time. I like the girl that played Crystal. I thought she was very attractive. I even thought they did her hair with the black ring thing. Look, you know. I thought the black ring thing because I did see a little bit. I thought the black ring thing should have been a ring thing and just not color on her. Oh, you mean like a head? Head headpiece, yeah, like a headband, like a Gwen mm. Stacy thing. Gotcha. Um, I thought Lockjaw was pretty good for a TV budget. I agree. What I saw of that looked good. I liked the guy that played back Black Bolt. Uh, I wasn't really thrilled with the actress that played Medusa, but I don't know if it's because they shaved her head. But I know why they did that. I mean, they did put it in the story. You'll see what happens if you haven't seen already. I have not. Okay, so, eh, but ah. Uh, Maximus? Hmm. Maybe it's just I just can't get past him. The guy, the actor that played, uh, he played the guy, uh, on, on Game of Thrones. Maybe, I, I don't know. I didn't yeah. see it. Maximus is supposed to be the mad, and he was just like Maximus the a-hole. Yeah, what, what, a, what, a, what a little I saw. Again, I only saw part of the first episode, but he seemed more like Maximus the squirrely guy. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and it's like he still has the same beard he had in Game of Thrones. I'm like, really? You guys couldn't have shaved him up or cleaned him up or something? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't real thrilled with him, even though I I liked him in Game of Thrones. I I didn't like him as Maximus. Uh, Karnak, Gorgon, they're all right. Um, Black Bolt. Uh, did did I mention Black Bolt already? He I did. okay, yeah, I liked him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say too much because you haven't seen all of it, so you know you'll see where it ends up. But I've heard already that it had bad ratings, and that Marvel uh, wishes kind of wishes they hadn't done it. Now is some of the things I've heard on some other podcasts and such. But I, I mean, it wasn't unwatchable for me. But I could see where they were limited by the budgets and some of the the episodes. It's a lot of running around, and it's kind of like, well, where's this? Where you know? Okay, it's like fish out of water story. You know, like, eh, and then it's a, getting the band back, back, back together. Everybody has to find each other, and then they go back and confront, and 
that's all I'm going to say. So you can enjoy it. So now, I have no no basis for this because I don't. I really have been pretty spoiler free on the series, uh, but somehow because in the episode that I started to watch, I saw that apparently they're going to come into New York at some point. Uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Okay. Downtown. It was all filmed in Hawaii with ABC. So they actually that's where where they're at when when, when you see him downtown and he and he like gets punched or hit, hit by a cop and he goes Bleh! and he blows a cop car down the street. That's it that's the, probably it has the, the feeling like they they're adapting that story that we covered. Exactly. From Amazing that's Adventures. That's what I was thinking too when I was watching I'm like didn't we just didn't we just cover this in a book? <laughs> Back when it was a split book with Black Widow. Yeah, yeah. Because he he comes to the city. He's he uh, he goes into Does like he get a, amnesia. No, 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 no. Well, you know things happen. They have to run lockjaw for some reason. I'll just say this: at the end of the thing, he's dropping people right where they need to be. But for some reason, when he has to get all the royal family out, he doesn't put them all in the same position. He drops them all over the island of Hawaii or of. Oahu, like the big island. They're all over the freaking place, all over the island. Literally, like uh, one's on a beach, one's at the top of a mountain, one's in the city. You know, they're spread out all over the place. And then they have to all find their way back to each other. But um, Black Bolt gets dropped in the city, and he goes into like a tailor shop, and they just, hey, they just fit him with a suit. And he walks out, and he doesn't pay for it. And the cops come after him, and that's, you know, they're going to rough him up, and the guy punches him in the gut, and he goes, oof. And he tosses a cop car down the street and then i think i don't know if they i think they hit, hit him with a taser I, I don't remember it's been eight weeks since i saw that episode i think it, it, you know mm. so well, i'm gonna have to watch it regardless yeah, so. yeah i mean i you know if you got the time sit down and watch it but uh yeah de- definitely if you can watch it with zipping through the commercials that'll go quicker because i was actually watching them at, at like i watched about half of them as they came out and the other half i watched strictly on hulu so I was talking about talking about like that. Uh, I don't think I. It just came up in conversation today. I don't think I've ever in my life, without having surgery, had more than sick days, two sick days in a row, ever. Mm-hmm. I was saying I could use I could use like five sick days in a row just to go through my DVR. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen, but I could use it. Get caught up on everything. Damn. So, uh, and they had a nice uh, teaser for the next season of Agents of Shield. Which I don't know if you're caught up on that yet either. I have two two episodes on the DVR to watch on that. All right, and I can't bring up anything that was in the trailer. All right, because <laughs> it gives away the end of the la- like the last five minutes. You know, it gives away the stinger of and like the last two minutes of the show prior to the stinger. Um, if I tell you about the trailer, so moving right along, let's uh, let's hop into this book. Okay, we'll discuss the cover first. Yeah, cause, well, because if we hop into the book, we'll trip over a bunch of exposition. There you go. <laughs> uh, the the uh, cover, cover has the classic white background that I love so. You, you just eat it up. Mm-mm-mm. It's but it's Gil Kane, but and I you know I could read, readily identify it as such, but only really based on Thor's face. If, if not for Thor's face, I would probably guess Gil Kane, but I wouldn't be as confident. Yeah, yeah, because everybody else, Mantis, you know, because Hawkeye's got, he's way back, he's back a little bit, he's got the mask, Mantis has her hand in front of her face, and 
Iron Man's got, well, he's got nostrils still on his faceplate. But yeah. They, they show, uh, it says the Avengers assembled to learn the startling secret of the Hooded One, who's appeared in the last few issues. Uh, and it shows him from behind taking his hood down to reveal his head of blonde hair, but you don't see his face. Steve Rogers? Steve Rogers, yeah. Well, this was back in an era where every blonde guy they drew was, you know, looked like he could be Steve Rogers, it could be Clint Howard, uh, Clint Howard, Clint uh, Barton, not Clint Howard. <laughs> he wasn't drinking Tranya. <laughs> Sorry. Cl- Clint Barton, Steve Rogers, like, they all looked exactly the same. Any Any blonde, you know, heroic person. Oh, you know, I heard uh, Bill Foster's going to be in the next Ant-Man and Wasp movie. I heard that as well. It's going to be Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. That's uh, cool. Yeah. I hope he does, uh, you know, end up having the superpowers and becomes Goliath by the end. Hmm. Well, he's already kind of big. Oh, sorry, did I say that? Oh, sorry. The other day, it was just, you know, all, all the characters that, you know, you, you have to have black before their name because you wouldn't know. Black Goliath, Black Panther, Black Lightning... Black Widow. Oops. <laughs> anyway, so we see... Uh, ah, but they have cloak. They don't have black cloak. Fa- facing the reader are Thor, Hawkeye, Mantis, and uh, Iron Man. And uh, Thor is saying, by the beard of Odin, it cannot be. And Mantis, showing a level of stupidity that is unparalleled, says, of all the people, we ne- would never have suspected you. And I mean, I'm pretty sure cleavage. everybody suspected him. <laughs> and some cleavage that is unparalleled. Because yeah, didn't that. even, wasn't it last issue or the issue before they even mentioned something about this person had escaped? Yeah, oh. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's, this, this was not a, well, uh, a well-covered secret. Yeah. Ah, yes. You want to uh, read the synopsis, synopsis? Yeah, there's a uh, there's a synopsis and there's an even longer flashback section. So um, we'll uh, we'll go with the uh, well. First off, we'll uh, we'll go with our our cast of characters or our cast of contributors. We have, uh, like we said, we had yeah. So Frank Giacoya did the inks on the cover as well. Um, it was Gil Kane doing the pencils, Frank Giacoya, and Dan Crispy did the letters on the cover. And inside, we have Steve, Steve Englehart, the writer, Sal Buscema did the pencils, Joe Staten did the inks, Tom Orzakowski did the letters, Phil Rachelson did the color, and Len Wein was the editor. Ah, so, synopsis. <clears throat> Mentored by Agatha Harkness, Scarlet Witch augments her mutant hex power with actual mystical training. Bullshit. Oh, sorry. In Limbo, Immortus offers to reward the Avengers for Kang's defeat by showing Vision and Mantis the secrets of their origins. Ooh. The heroes accept, and one talking and and one talking time traversing synchro staff. Not which, not the uh, wand of Watum. No, actually, I'm going to stop for a second because there's a note down here, and, and I remember this from reading in uh, Avengers Forever, um, that the synchro staffs guiding the Avengers and Mantis in this issue are revealed to be shape-shifting space phantoms, oh. in, uh, servants of Amortis in Avengers Forever number 8, printed in 1999. 
that's why they talk because they're actually people. Or like the soil and cream. Yeah, it's people. The site. The time traversing synchro staffs are phantoms. Oh, anyway. Guides vision into his past while another synchro staff guides Mantis and the other Avengers into the roots of her past. Meanwhile, in space, the Avengers ally Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon. Here's the team's long unanswered call for Captain Marvel. Here's the team's long unanswered call for Captain Marvel. And, acting on instinct, heads for Earth to respond in Marvel's place because, well, you know, she's just whatever. The Vision travels back to 1939 where he sees the origins of his past self, the android, Human Torch. Along the way, Vision realizes why a Sentinel once identified him as a decades-old construct and why he has suffered panic attacks regarding airless or enclosed spaces. Due to his past self, Torch being buried in cement, alive, alive, and trapped in water. Back in the present, the glowing green swordsman figure assures Libra, hint, hint, that Moon Dragon, Mantis, and the others are all acting according to plan. <laughs> but Libra worries that the plan is too precariously elaborate. No, never. Elsewhere, the second synchro staff guides Mantis and the Avengers millennia into the past, where they see the early history of the... Go ahead, Paul, you say it. You seem to say it so much better. Kotati. Kotati? Kotati. Kree and Skrull alien races. How the Krees were dicks. Oh, I mean, how the Kree massacred the Kuti? Kutati? Kutati. Kutati and slaughtered a starship full of scrolls so they could have the planet Hela and the scrolls' advanced technology for themselves. Manus asks how this relates to her origins, and the synchro staff assures her that this will be made clear as their journey continues. So, now, we were debating this earlier. There's a, fla- there's a section that describes the flashbacks. So, I think I'm just going to read that real quick as well. Flashbacks. While abducting Scarlet Witch and battling Avengers, the Sentinels identify Vision as a decades-old construct. This took place in Avengers 102 in 1972. Human Torch recognizes Vision as a rebuilt version of himself, which we just discussed last time we were on in Giant Size Avengers number 3. Phineas Horton creates the Human Torch and encases him in cement to pacify fearful reporters, but the Torch escapes, goes on an accidental destructive rampage, since he cannot yet control his flame powers, and is trapped in a swimming pool by gangster Tony Sardo and his lieutenant, Red. That is in, I guess that's MC number one, it would be Marvel Comics number one in 1939. In the first year of the Kree's recorded history, their homeworld, Hala, Hala <coughs> was shared by the barbaric humanoid Cree and the more enlightened telepathic plant beings known as the Kutate. The scrolls, already an advanced. Wait, what the hell am I slipping into there? The scrolls, already an advanced interstellar race, offered Hala a place in their empire and proposed a contest to decide which of Hala's races would be partnered with the scrolls. Seventeen Kotate and 17 Kree were stranded on two deserted planetoids for a year with some basic scroll supplies and technologies, challenging each group to create something impressive in time for the scroll's return visit. The 17 scroll were left, uh, excuse me, the 17 Kree were left on the barren satellite later known as Earth's Moon, 
where the scrolls created a small region of life support life supporting atmosphere for the Cree to inhabit. Uh, this would be the blue area. Living in this area and using the scroll supplies, the Cree constructed a fabulous blue city within a year, greatly impressing the returning scrolls. However, the scrolls seemed even more impressed by the Kotate, who used their powers to awaken dormant seeds within their barren planetoid, which they transformed into a lush garden. Jealous. The Cree massacred their world's Kotate population, eliminating the competition. Hey, the scrolls' diplomatic party outraged. The scrolls were enraged and ripped the Cree's lungs out. No way. Said Hala would be forever excluded from their circle of favored worlds and stripped of scroll technology. But the Cree responded by slaughtering the scroll visitors and keeping the slain scroll starship to loot its technolo technological secrets. Cree leader Morag vowed his people would become star-faring conquerors and assholes and someday destroy the scrolls. End of flashbacks. I don't know why they could just well, um, Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just include it in one synopsis, but yeah, that that pretty much covers the whole book. So now we could just start paging through it. Yeah, and we get some freaky stuff going on in uh, on the first page. Well, look at the what is that thing? Is it a rat? Is it a snake? All I don't know rice. what that is. That's a rat snake. It's like a rat snake. Yeah, it's because it's that's something... a weird looking thing. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, she's and got her... all sorts of freaky looking things. She's got a bat there over her shoulder. She's got a some kind of a freaky death mask. She's got Scarlet a Scarlet Witch is doing jazz hands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm prepared and, and, to and I'm just looking at my the, new powers. This this almost looks like a little bit of a it's it's a slight step down from it, but it does look similar to me that once like when Salby Sam was inked by Klaus Janssen. And I think possibly Phil Rachelson's colors have a lot to do with that. Because I, I don't, I mean, you don't you don't really see Joe Staten's style in this. So he didn't, he definitely didn't overpower Busema. But it's it's not, you know, it doesn't look like you know Mike Esposito inked him either. Mm. But I, you know, overall, I I like it. You know, there's some detail in this. We got a picture of Satan behind uh, Agatha <laughs> Harkness. Or is that the Vision? With horns, with big eyebrows. I don't know. Yeah, so... I mean, it's definitely a moody-looking thing, and I, I kind of like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we move on to the next page, and uh, we're getting um, a reenactment of Beauty and the Beast as she animates a chair. You know, be our guest. Da, 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 da. We needed a couple candelabras. and strange-looking chair. What's, the, what, what, what's that headpiece on it? Well, that's so make it look like it has a head. Yeah, but if it were just a chair for real. Yeah, I've seen goofy chairs like that that have that. That's right. so you know you you lean your head back, you got something to rest your head against. So I think it's called a headrest. I, I'm sure that's what it's called. It just doesn't look like a very comfortable one. But no. anyway, did she animates the chair after great difficulty because you can see she's got all sorts of sweat on her face while she's doing it, and then eventually the, the chair turns on her as she like kind put of put him up, come on, put him yeah, up. That's what it looks like it's doing. And it seems to have lost its actual seat part. It's all... It lost its lap when it stood up. It also lost a set of legs, too, because the arms became arms, and then it's like the... Uh, you know, yeah, it's weird. It's like the, the back legs of the chair kind of just got sucked into the chair, and now it's like walking around like a person. And Miss 
Miss Happy herself, Agatha. Oh, God, she's so hideous. She makes Aunt May look hot sometimes. I don't know. I, I <laughs> For years, I used to think, like when I was a little kid, I, I know at one point I thought Aunt May and Agatha Harkness were the same person <laughs> with different hair. Just, you know, and, oh, wait, this is a different person. Got it. Right. She's got a cat. The other one makes wheat cakes. Okay, I'm set. So, unless uh, she makes cat cakes. Ooh. So on the, the uh, bottom right panel, the horse came up to her and said, "Why the long face?" <laughs> but I'm bad. So yeah, now uh, now they jump back to limbo. Everybody's gathered around Mortis's big old chair and. He's got his nice little headdress on, and he's like, so, who wants some exposition? <laughs> Here you go. Here, Vision, you want to learn about your, you want to <laughs> learn, learn something? Here, take this little stick, and go, go away. Ah, but we don't know it's the space family. It's the synchro staff. It's the sentient, talking, time-traveling, diversing synchro staff thingy. Right. You should all have a secret step. Vision gets it's, all excited. It's like the smartphone of 1975. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, he, he uh, Mortis asks him, you know, is that good enough if I send you to see what's going on? And he's like, he gets all excited. It's a vice. What? It was like he's kind of insulted. And he's like, oh. oh. <laughs> well, no, of course he would be, suffice. You mean just like that? I can learn the answers. I've sought all my known life. Suffice. Oh, and Mantis is back to this one and that one again. (laughs) Stupid Mantis. My sole regret is that I cannot join you on your journeys, Mantis. Our paths are separate, so must our paths... Wait a minute. Our paths are separate, so must be our paths to them. But we shall meet again, for the future is the culmination of... Of our past. What have you been watching, Mystery Men? With the remember the character in there, the the Sphinx. Oh yeah, yeah. Who's <laughs> just basically talked to cliches. You must unlearn what you have learned. Shut up, Mantis. Ah, <laughs> she's correct, Vision. You must travel through time, not only separate. But alone. Hmm. For (laughs) for your secrets are too recent to be able to affect the present to be known to any but what? For your secrets are too recent to be able to affect the present to be known to any but yourself. Take the secret staff. It will got oh yeah, because the other ones are going like thousands of years in the past. Wouldn't it be wouldn't it be more harmful if you went further back in the past and changed something? There would be more time in front of it to get screwed up. Wouldn't it actually be safer for Vision to go back and only change something that rec- or see something that recently happened? So shut up, Immortus. You don't even know what you're talking about. Master of time, my butt. Can you tell him I'm not real happy with, <laughs> with the exposition? <sighs> oh, I, I think there's nothing but exposition here, so... <laughs> yeah, because then once, once he zaps the Vision away, then he's like, all right, rest of you, here. Accompany your female friend, uh, for her story has its roots in a time millennia past. 
And uh, Thor, how can that be? Amortis went, ah, it is to be seen, not said. Thor, shut up. Grasp the staffs and y'all, and y'all. <laughs> all shall become clear. And yeah, Hawkeye, clear. And Hawkeye says, I tried grasping the staff once at the Playboy Club, and he's cut off. I don't know why you're grabbing a staff at the Playboy Club. <clears throat> I think by staff he means the workers. Oh, yeah, good point. I didn't think of that. I was thinking, I would, uh, never mind what I was thinking. <clears throat> and it says the remainder of Hawkeye's observation is lost, probably fortunately to posterity. <laughs> and these remaining Avengers are lost to limbo. Bum, 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 ba-dum, ba-dum. Leaving this locus, what? Leaving this locus where things never change. Oh, locale? Locus? No. Yeah, location, I location. guess. The limbo is the locus. Yes. And a man who has changed quite a lot. Okay, and he says, Five lives have I known, and the vision too soon now, Mantis, will begin as well. All that might know what wonders there are to this firmament. Wow, whatever. Oof. Uh, oh, and then we cut the Moon Dragon, who intercepts a message and decides, I'll answer it, just because I'm Moon Dragon. Because I'm arrogant. Exactly. Madame McEvil. <laughs> yeah, but if you wanted to know what that's happened... That's a subplot I'm glad to not have too much more of on this one. <laughs> and uh, if you were reading Captain Marvel number 37, you will find out the reason why Captain Marvel was a no-show, and I have no idea why he was a no-show. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'll look. So now begins the long trek of the flashbacks to the origin of the vision, 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 vision. And he's lost in thought and recalls about his creation by Ultron. And then last issue with uh, when um, the Human Torch said, hey, this is my body, which, you know what, there's a flub there. I'm seeing it because last issue, one of his, because Scott and I picked up on this, he had his arm covered up the whole time, and it was supposedly dangling by strings, but you never saw it. But yet, right in that panel, page seven of of the book, right in the center panel, he's got both arms flailed out, and his cape is covering like it's drawn like where his arm was covered through the whole book. But now he shows both arms just laying out there at his sides. So I think that's kind of a goof. They want. Yeah, to... I think you're correct there. Yeah. So and then just, wait, 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 wait. Just what, before what? you go too far off that. I can still hardly believe that my once my synthetic body once belonged to the original Human Torch, even though he himself recognized the makeup of my internal organs. Really? Ah, uh, maybe he was. I saw broken? you cut open. That's my heart. It's mine, mine. Yeah, and I think I think Scott and I talked about it, or we've talked about it in past ones. How the different uh, because of this whole thing in flux with. Amortis and time and his origins, which is why that's how they retconned or explained why sometimes when they've gone into his body it's all machine like, other times it's semi organic because like vision's kind of in flux because of all the time buffoonery and such. So, did you find that Captain Marvel thing or no? I see it in Marvel Wiki. Wiki, it's wiki, the, wiki. The uh, they don't have a synopsis for the issue, but I see it's uh. Got Annihilus in it and Uatu and the Lunatic Legion, so I, I'm. I guess he's off of Earth. 
a lunatic legion. I just pictured a bunch of clowns. <laughs> it looks like it takes place on the blue area of the moon. Hmm. I'm sorry, I just have to respond to something. Oh, that's okay. Truncate Silence will take care of all this. Nobody will even know. Here you go. Yeah. So, I, 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 right off the bat, I'm a little interested in the uh, the shot of the Sentinel. It's like everybody draws the Sentinels a little different. They color them a little different. Well, is that... I, I always, back then, I always found the Sentinels to be fascinating. Is that... I don't remember 102 off the top of my head. Is that a Master Mold? Because that could explain the larger head. He's got a huge head. No, I don't believe it's a master mold, but I, I think uh, that was that was the issue where Pietro goes missing. Mm. Tentative analysis: I am attacked by an android of highly specialized design. X-ray vision probe reveals three decades vintage. He's in mint condition. He's an antique, which I don't remember this. I guess they probably dropped this hint way back then. So, and vision is like three decades, over three and a half now since the torch. First appeared in 1939. Nice way to date yourselves. And the staff's like, November 1939, to be precise. Huh? What the hell? <laughs> Voice in my mind. I am of the staff. Voyager, while you grasp it, I am your guide, for your thoughts are open to me. Then, and I know what you wish to observe. In addition, I am able to summarize the exposition. I mean, the events as we pass them swiftly by for greater ease of understanding. Eh, don't ask me why I picked that voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. shut up, skit. Shut up, Steph, and, and leave me off. Yes, <laughs> that's quite a service you provide, voice. <laughs> the modest mastery of time time travel is all but total, Voyager. Now, please relax. You are approaching November 1939. Please put your tray in the upright position. Yeah. But th this, you know, again, like I said, I was kind of fascinated by the uh, the Sentinels at this time. But it was also, you know, this is around the time pretty early in my comic collecting time. So I do uh, I do remember just being like, you know, this is when, you know, you're a kid and you're like a sponge trying to get all this information. So I was really just totally hooked on this whole thing with the original Human Torch and everything. Mm -hmm. I just... Remember, I just remember being enthralled by this. Much more so than the Cree uh, Kawati story. Well, yeah, it's always cool the way they, you know, we've, we've mentioned before where you get where you get the, you know, the little tag at the end at the bottom of the page saying, oh, go to this issue to see what happened there. and Go to this, that issue. And then you're like, oh, i, I got to get that issue. Cause it's a part of the story. No. <laughs> It's just a way to make you buy more issues, man. Don't fall <laughs> for it. So, yeah, we see where uh, the original Human Torch was um, and his creator. The creator. Bottles it's, him up. Uh, yeah, James Roy Kirk invented him. Mm -hmm. Seals him in steel and then buries him in concrete. No wonder Vision's got, you know, issues. Yeah, Sorry, I was just, just looking at the Human Torch hugging that light pole like he's making love to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a drunken sailor. <laughs> he's melted a pole, but looks like he threw up all over it. I can't hold my liquor. I gotta get in a swimming pool. <laughs> well, I guess, I, you know, I guess I don't remember that ever reading that as, actually as a story, but I'm guessing it was kind of like his effort to try and control his own 
you know, his, his own problem with that he was that he couldn't control his flames. So they kind of took it on himself to dive into the pool. Yeah, you know, it says into which he committed himself into the deep in three feet of water. Who tracked? Yeah, unfortunately, the estate. Unfortunately, the estate had he had entered was the property of one Sardo, a racket's boss, who trapped the torch under the pool's winter glass cover. Really, who puts a glass cover over a pool? Um, no one. Yeah, exactly. I've seen winter covers, and they ain't glass. Yeah, no. Even back but, then, but, but it, it does make for a cool effect on the story. Well, yeah, you know, he's beating on the glass. So, and then uh, we get that really weird shot there. Um, uh, it talks about the two times in the recent past where he was freaking out because of uh, his, he was having a panic attack. Three uh, times. Two, three. It says, in three. Kang's yeah. Macrobot, Dormammu's Quicksand, and Taurus's Pool. And he's so like, he's like Rock, Rock, Rock from the, uh, the Star Trek one. What a little girl! I remember now. <laughs> I was left here by the old ones. Survival cancels programming. Which I think there was some. You know, we were really going far afield here, but I think there was some speculation, some fan fiction that had the old ones being the Borg. Oh, hmm, hmm. Could be. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, we've had enough of the vision for a little while, so it's time to cut to Green Swordsman. Yeah, you know what? The synopsis didn't even reveal that. Uh, I just realized that. You know, I think I was looking for it, but it never. It didn't say it. That Mantis was. I mean, that Libra was the father of Mantis. Well, he. But he. Oh, in the synopsis. The, right in the synopsis, it didn't mention it, or the flashback. Well, it goes a flashback. Yeah. And yet the. Uh, the book itself felt, you know, that that was significant, significant enough to put on the cover. Yeah. Well, this, this book is, you know, this, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, almost too much. I don't know. So I, I don't know what you'd put on the cover, unless you were going to go for, like, one of those multiple picture covers. Well, I don't know. Maybe you could yeah. have had just a, really thro- thrown it off and had, like, the... The decree and the scrolls battling just to like make people scratch their head, you know, and have the the Avengers watching, you know, have them looking at them fighting instead of looking at Libra taking his mask off, which is a scene that doesn't happen in the book. Yeah, that's true too. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So then, for the origin of Mantis, apparently Thor is leading the way for some reason. Yeah, the guy that can fly in space on his own with a hammer needs, well, you know, well, he can't go through time. Although, <laughs> depending on what they wanted his hammer to do at the time. Yes, but, uh, uh, so now, yes, we're told the origin of Mantis begins way back in the past. Way back in the past. So they have the talking stick. On the Swanee River. So they have the talking stick again. They have another talking stick. It's a talking stick. And, uh, Thor. Oh, oh no, that's that's Mantis. Thor. This one is nearly overcome with empathic feelings of an enormous purity and power. There are two sources of psychic vibrations near, by two entire races, and one of them is most definitely the Kree. Da, da, da. And they have they have entered the continuum of Kree Year Zero. It's okay. The Kree, the Kree are snappy dressers. 
I think the staff likes Thor because he says, grip me tightly, Thunder God. <laughs> yeah, the other people aren't gripping it at all, Nick. I know. Why, just, why does he need to so grip So why tightly? does he need to grip him tightly? Because the rest of them are just being traveled on in this little pocket of e- energy that the staff is producing, so whatever. Uh, it says, Formatus may yet be overcome by her empathic nature during this voyage, and she cannot be entrusted with my care. Huh? Okay. Whatever. Here on the planet Hala Hala. Don't they serve that like at Bromitzers and stuff? Isn't that baklava? No, it's actually it's Hala with CH at the beginning. It's a type of bread. Mm. Alright, that fell flat. <laughs> Glad I was there for you. <laughs> Just leave you hanging out there. Uh, so oh. they land and watch from a distance. From a distance. The Cree and the Scrolls will... Oh, never mind. We're trying to do anything just to cheer this book up and move it along. And we have the, the Cree leader, Morag, their mightiest male. <laughs> and their most daring hunter, the Cree being meat eaters, must face ferocious beasts every day in order to survive. And Morag attacks only the largest. But what about the other race, Stick? The other inhabitants of Hala Hawkeye, let me take you there. We should do a different voice for the stick because it's a different person. You know, should we do him like a game show host? <coughs> well, let me tell you what happens on the other side of the world, Hawkeye. That's not a good voice. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> exactly. These Kowati who have climbed the evolutionary ladder from an algae to a point of near parity with a humanoid Cree. Come on down. What do you think? Mm, yeah. They are true plants requiring sunlight, water, and contact with the soil. But they have two attributes earth plants of your acquaintance lack. Their branches have become elementary limbs upon which they can travel, albeit slowly. And they have developed intelligent individual minds so that they communicate telepathically. And how much do you think they cost? <laughs> uh, Without uh, going over. <laughs> I'll say uh, 20 million quatloos. No, I'm sorry. You're out of the game. Sorry. <laughs> Please leave the studio. <laughs> I'll take the Cree Daily Double for a thousand, Alex. Uh, so, <laughs> and Iron Man's like, I take it each side. I take it each side leaves the other strictly alone, or else the Cree would harvest these creatures for breakfast some morning. Well, no. They already said they're meat eaters, dummy. Oh, and then, basically, that's what the staff says. The meat eaters consider all plants beneath their notice. Dumbass. Are you supposed to be a genius? <laughs> Hold, staff. So, I guess I guess to the Cree at this point, the Kotati are, you know, almost like bugs as far as yeah. they're concerned. Weeds. <clears throat> Walking weeds. Thor. Hold, staff. What be this which hither comes? This is destiny in the form of a starship. Both races see it. Both races see it simultaneously as it drops from the skies, and both correctly believe the end of the world has arrived. What aren't they on separate sides? Okay, they just said. Oh, the other. Yeah, they both said that they're on different sides of the planet, because he, the staff, even said they inhabit the other half of Hala. Hala. But anyway, we'll just let that go. <laughs> the day <laughs> Hawkeye. Hey, I just saw this flick the other night on on uh, Channel Five. The day Hala stood still, right? <laughs> please, please shut up, Hawkeye, before I kill you. 
Oh, no, wait. That that was Manus. It says, please be silent, Hawkeye. This one does not wish to be distracted with frivolity. Whew. Yes, ma'am. Well, I can't really. You know, usually I think she's an ass, but I can't blame her for that one. Shut up. Yeah, welcome to shut up. Yeah. And uh, out comes a scroll. And you know what? So the scrolls aren't really, you know, this is kind of a turn on because I don't think up to this point, I think the scrolls are always been played for the bad guy. And here, yeah, the scrolls, yeah, they're being rather benevolent almost. Yeah, they're like, hey, you know, we're going to let, although, you know, they are kind of like, well, yeah, we're going to let one of you guys, uh, you know, hang out with us and use our technology. But, you know, the other guys, you suck. <laughs> so let's get it on. We'll be back. We'll see what you can do. All right. You guys built a city. We built this city. We built this city on the blue area. Built this city. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Hey, it's Starship. With, Get it? Starship. What's with the headband on whatever his name is? Morg. Morag. Morag. What's the headband? It shows he's the boss, man. He's he's got the he's got the circle my on his silver head. headband. I am Morag of the silver band. Nobody else. Why are all the Kree bald? Well, that's well, you know yeah, what that shows. That shows that they're uh, superior. That's why he wears they, the they, head. It's, it's like a planet of Professor X's. <laughs> that's why he wears the headband so he can uh, show. You know, no, I'm Morag. No, I'm Morag. No, I'm Morag. See, they all look alike. Bunch of bald-headed white guys. So, yep. So one guy decides, I'm I'm the boss. I've got the silver thingy. When he, sl- when he slept, I stole his silver thingy. <laughs> so, one year later, I mean, because we have a bunch of exposition, it says, ah, and the, the, the Kotate were dropped over here, and the Kree were dropped over here, and they just got to be busy in building, and uh, they built a beautiful blue city. And Which is pretty advanced, considering the fact that they're still wearing uh, robes, like, fur, fur rags, yeah. 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 Although he does have his, his cool silver uh, headband, mm-hmm. and they all have very nice belts. Yes, and the, the scrolls were extremely impressed with their efforts. So uh, so then they're like, uh, they're a little worried about, well, hey, what if they like the uh, the plant guys better? Oh, they, and guess what? I mean, look at them. They're, they're very proud of themselves in their blue city, though. Mm-hmm. The top there. They're, they're patting each other on the back, putting their arms up in, in cheering. Fist. Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah. The Professor X all the way over to the right is raising his fist. He's got kind of a Popeye elbow going. Yeah, everybody's like, "Look at that! Check that out!" Well, oh, we're we're great. The other guy's even pointing to it, or Morag is pointing to it. See, you see that? You see that? You see that, Mister Scroll? I made that. <laughs> so yeah, then they take them back to Hala, and. uh they're a little worried, like, well, what's the other guys do better than us? Oh, oh, oh no. Hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> so apparently the uh, the Kotate have made a beautiful, turned a barren planetoid rock into a lush, uh, beautiful world, and uh, which which is a little bit uh, weird yeah. because how do the Kree know what the Kotate? Kotati have done because they didn't actually go to the world because they're saying from all indications Morag the accursed Kotati will be chosen the victories in our contest I mean I'm not really clear on how they knew that but 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not either. Because, it... but they're very quick to then attack. Kill the Gotante! Kill them! Kill them all! So they kill every single one of them on the planet. Not Owl. just not just the men, the women, the children. All of them. Thanks, Anakin. Thanks a lot. Victory is this. Yeah, they were chopping broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, so then, uh, the scroll uh, comes out of the ship, and Morag's there says, Good morning, Dorak. While you were slept, we could have solved the problem of Hollow's representation for you. Oh, and uh, how did you accomplish that? Ah, oh, we have destroyed our opposition. <laughs> you did well, we, killed, we killed him. <laughs> Fools, did you believe this would gain? You are favor. Scrolls may deal with barbarians, but we do not condone barbar barbar barbarism. What? <laughs> now Hala shall be shut forever, forever from our circle of favored worlds. You are out of the club, man. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Is our answer to that. <laughs> yeah, you are the fool, Scroll. for after a year of your technology, we do not propose to return to our former ignorance. If that is your decision, then you have likewise decided to die! Take them! Which I don't understand why the Scroll couldn't have just wiped these guys out. You figure, if nothing else, they should have more advanced weaponry. They're taken out with spears. Oh, well, they, they do explain it. They says, uh, uh, but why don't the scrolls do anything? Why don't they fight back? Do you not remember, Archer? The scrolls are not are not now warriors. Okay, but they've gotten absolutely no defenses at all. You have interstellar travel, and you're not going to have something to defend yourself. That's just well, that's a peace loving race asking for it. They're just asking for it. No, and because it of it, they're now corpses. So much for pacifism. Wah wah. To this one's mind, Hawkeye, pacifism does not preclude self-defense. Well, it's good. I guess the Skrulls didn't believe in it. <sighs> That's kind of a classic shot at the bottom with the... The hand. Uh, the curled-up hand of the deceased uh, foe. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's one I, I couldn't point to you specifically to it, but I know I've seen that. Oh, you've seen it everywhere. Anywhere where somebody's been defeated or, or like the hand sticking out of a rock with like like smoke coming off of it. You know, something like or energy crackles or something where they've been blasted. Yeah, so yeah, now the now the Kree are all uppity up, you know. Ah, we got the technology. We, we have achieved a tremendous triumph today, my people. <laughs> we have overcome the most important prey ever known to us. And now as we stand undisputed masters of our homeworld with all the secrets of the scroll ship, ours for the taking. So it's you know I guess this is the no good deed goes unpunished kind yeah. of storyline. Yeah, the 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 scrolls try and, and be benevolent, and that's how they get thanked for it. Yes, and then the staff says the scrolls never knew what had happened to their ship until the day decades later when a Kree armada attacked their world without warning. On that day, they became as bloodthirsty as their enemies, and thus began the eternal Kree scroll war. Which says the Kree Scroll War is one hundred percent the fault of the Kree. Yeah. And then Mantis is like, um, that is fascinating, Staff, but what the blank does this have to do with this one's past and the future? Ah uh, well, nothing. I was just, I just thought it was cool. <laughs> oh yeah, I just wanted to give you guys a history lesson. Oh sorry. Well excuse me. Oh. 
<laughs> it's everything to do with you, Mantis. Curb your impatience. Yach. One does not become a celestial Madonna overnight. Prepare yourselves. We journey onward. And Hawkeye says, and me without my Dramamine. <laughs> <laughs> Tune so in next, next issue. issue. The Scarlet Witch versus Moon Dragon. The death, resurrection, death, resurrection, and death of the Human Torch. And just to round things out, the history of the universe, part two. Thank you, R2. Whatever did happen Whatever to did simple happen. stories. That is a question. Well, you know, I guess this is this is, I guess, a an example of the the maturation of comic storytelling. You know, it's not it's not the most effective story ever, but it is you know working at creating an origin for you know that that's much wider reaching than just a simple story that we'd have in the past. I think you know, giving us the basis for this crease scroll animosity. Yeah, which we hadn't had. You know, they were just, oh, they've fought for years and nobody knows why. Or nobody remembers why. It's, it's been, the, the conflict's gone on so long, nobody remembers what the initial thing was that kicked it all off. But now we know. And knowing's half the battle. Yo, Cree! <laughs> Alright, so, uh, what do you think of this thing? The cover? <sighs> For once, I'm with you on the white background, and this cover just doesn't really, it doesn't really, you know, like you go back a couple issues, I think when we started this, and we had, I think we had a white background, and we had the two teams rushing at each other from each side of the page, and that one had, like, action, and this is just really just kind of, you know, eh, meh. So, uh, the cover for me is just going to be, hmm. C, just a C. Um, the interior art is, I like the first two pages are just really crazy looking, but maybe they're supposed to be because the rest of it gets a little bit cleaner, and it seems to get even more, um, even more cleaner, uh, more better, more better butter. It just it, it cleans up even more when they go and show the Cree scroll. Um, stuff it seems to pick up a little bit so i think i'm going to give the art um b minus the story this is it it's long it is long i think it's one of the longest deepest thickest filled ones we've read to date but uh it is it, it is interesting in what it's going to build and you could say what it's going to screw up or just cause headaches down in the future when other writers change things. And if we ever cover Avengers Forever, God help us. <laughs> well, we might. It's, yeah. That's a possibility for one day. Yeah. So but so I'm actually going to give, I think I'm going to give the story, it may surprise you, I'm going to give it a A. So that comes out to a B. Okay. Uh yeah, I'm in agreement with you on the cover pretty much that I, you know, not only do I not feel it's really, really striking to speak of, but I also feel like the big surprise reveal is just kind of dumb. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say a C on the cover. Although the individual figures are okay, I uh, just overall I don't think it does much. The interior art, I think I'm a little higher on it than you. Uh, I kind of like that the first two pages are kind of moody because of the Scarlet Witch thing. And then it 
seems to change slightly in tone, become a little bit brighter, which is fine because the story is a little bit more, you know, it lends itself to that a little bit. But it, it, it has a good science fiction-y feel for the Kree scroll part of it. Uh, the, the, the Golden Age stuff is kind of, you know, well-drawn. I'm going to say a B-plus on the interior art. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Mm. And story-wise, uh, I'm going to surprise you by telling you I totally agree with you. I'm going to go an A on the story. I, I like what it's doing. I'm not saying this is the best uh, version, you know, of, of things. But like Maybe it's I said, not really I think told represents... that well, but there's a lot of information here. Yeah, and I, I think it's, you know, like I said earlier, I think it's showing a maturation in the, not only the storytelling, but also just, like, what it's covering exactly. I, I think, you know, it's, it's appealing to an older crowd than they used to appeal to in these comics. And, you know, it's one of the things that pulled me into it at the time. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with the uh, story overall. And like I said, I'll give that an A. And overall, I'll give the book uh, an A-. minus. Okay. So, you know, it has me looking forward to the next issue. All right. And next time, time. The new Avengers Spotlight will be covering Avengers 134. And with that, we'll be... It'll either be with or mid-out Scott. Mid-out. <laughs> Just uh, looking for... Uh, where's my shorthand? Ah, my little Celestial Madonna reading order. So, with this, we have three more books to cover, officially, as to what is printed as the Celestial Madonna Saga. So, 134, 135, and Giant Size Avengers 4. So, if anybody has a uh, preference as to what maybe we'll jump into next... Well, we, we have considered going on and getting into the whole uh, Western part of the thing, so right. we could be with this quite a while longer, or we could go do something else and then come back to this. I don't know. Yeah. yeah maybe we can get, we can have uh, W-O-S. No, that would be without Scott. With our Scott. <laughs> Instead of... M-O-S. Mit our Scott. Mit our Scott? Mit, mit, mit our Scott. As opposed to mit our Scott. Without the Scott, what? What is that? What is anyway, before, before I get a headache from only with and without Scott, uh, just listen to you too, then. What? Oh, with and without you, you too. Sorry, it was a reach. What can I tell you? It's it's late. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, and and on that, I'm going to say good night, everybody. Come on back next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.
Good night, Mr. Robinson. Yeah, right, right.